You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Walthorton. Yes, so this is our birthday then, our birthday episode, uh, one year of uh, programming then, Simon. Yes, uh, pretty good uh, going in, episode 37. Episode 37, yes, uh, we've reached uh, the grand old age of one. (laughs) Uh, So welcome then to the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in the kitchen studio as always is my co-host Simon Walthorton. Hello, Simon. Hello. So we have got a special guest uh, in, uh, in the studio today then. To join us, and uh, we'd like to welcome on to the show in the kitchen studio, Alan Bales. Hello, Alan. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Well, we're good, good, good. That's uh, very kindly to come in today and join us on the show, Alan. You've got uh, some great uh, stuff to tell us later about what you do, haven't you? Well, hopefully, some people will find it interesting anyway. But uh, yeah, it's a good challenge anyway to publicise. Yes, and uh, welcome uh, from me as well. Yes. So, Alan. Uh, You've uh, you've joined us in for episode thirty seven. Hopefully, uh, you're going to uh, enjoy yourself with us for this uh, episode, our one our one year anniversary episode, Alan. So you're uh, you're privileged. Yeah, a special <laughs> event. So yeah, I'm honoured. Thank you, guys. <laughs> okay, so Simon, have you had a busy uh, busy time in? Uh, busy, yes, busy I've week? been uh, keeping an up updated uh, with David Harris on a few things. I've uh, got a few more things for next uh, sh- uh, episode of number thirty eight. Um, we'll keep those uh, for then. Uh, yes, um, it's been uh, sort of the the weather has took a turn now. It's a lot cooler now, isn't oh, it's it? Definitely cooler. And uh, mm. um, we've had a really warm weekend, and the temperatures dropped dramatically. So uh, three degrees this morning. Sorry. Yes, oh yes. God. I think it's, it's de-ice time again soon. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a shame the air show season is over, um, but uh, we still have plenty to talk about with our special guests and uh, lots of other stuff as well. Yes, so we're going to start off the show then, as we always do each week, with our rundown of a few stories from the weekly news from the UK and around the world. So if everyone's ready... Yes. Are you ready, Alan? I think so. Right, let's get on. So, kicking off this week's uh, news, then we've got a story from the Runway Girl Network, and Virgin Atlantic are debuting their moving map um, with their Boeing 787-9. So, the uh, Virgin Atlantic's new 787-9 uh, boasts a number of passenger-pleasing features, including a new iteration of the carrier's upper-class suites. Panasonic avionics provided by Cuban satellite-supported airborne connectivity plus Panasonic's latest generation Android-based EX3 in-flight entertainment systems, but the 787 also features a three-dimensional moving map. The moving map represents the latest content release of Berta, the interactive flight path 3D software, which boasts a high-responsivity, fully interactive touch display interface and a detailed and realistic aircraft model uh, with delivery and the carrier's branding. Other notable attributes include an autoplay flight feature, um, which uh, script runs along the boarding and shows a departure takeoff airport and the full flight path, including the destination, um, which is also in upper class as well, uh, using the same uh, new headsets and the same Panasonic displays. 
the map, the destination guide, which features detailed street-level map and building details as well for 36 of the airline's destination cities, plus hundreds of interactive point-of-interest icons with links to summary information and overlays. They can all be regularly updated to ensure the map and information displays remain current and relative. So, Simon, what do you think of that one? That looks quite smart. Uh, yes, um, compared, compared to the uh, ones that you were currently getting a lot of aircraft, you just get the uh, map of the world, and then mm. you get the aircraft, and then the uh, altitude, flight, speed, uh, time at destination, and everything. But this one, this is uh, first class, and uh, mm. it's really uh, come on leaps and bounds. Um, but it's a shame it's only available in the upper class uh, regions. But um, hopefully that will go into all classes, uh, possibly in the future. Definitely, definitely. Have you flown with uh, Virgin Atlantic at all before, Alan? Yes, uh, I did. About nine years ago, I, I went with them to Jamaica. Ah, right. 747-400? Uh, 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 no, yes, it was, actually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of Virgin Service about? I mean, that was a few uh, years ago, but... It was the best so far. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, and you get your free ice cream as well, don't you, <laughs> during the movies? <laughs> Free yeah. ice cream. Yes. Blimey. <laughs> that's, that's good, that is. So next story then, moving on, is on the PR Newswire site. And uh, this one is regarding Boeing and Monarch Airlines over here in the UK. So Monarch have finalised their order for 3737 MAX 8s. And uh, this one is new for this week uh, on the story side of things. And they have uh, got the order uh, for the 737 MAX 8, which is worth more than $3.2 billion at current list prices. Uh, the order, which they originally announced at the Farnborough International Air Show in July, uh, when Monarch selected the Boeing as its preferred bidder for fleet replacement, includes options for 15 additional uh, 737 MAX 8s and marks the beginning of the British carrier's transition to an all-Boeing single-aisle fleet. Seven days after welcoming the new or, uh, new owners uh, into the business, the order is a demonstration of our commitment to the future and of evolution of Monarch as a distinctive European scheduled leisure carrier, said Andrew Swaffield, CEO of the Monarch Group. The 737 MAX has an accumulated uh, 2,325 orders to date from 48 customers and is the fastest-selling aeroplane in Boeing's history. The 737 MAX is the perfect aeroplane for Monarch as it proves its business model from a traditional charter carrier to a European scheduled leisure airline, offering improved efficiencies, higher reliability and an outstanding passenger experience. The 737 MAX incorporates the latest technology CFM International Leap 1B engines, advanced technology winglets and other improvements to deliver highest efficiency, reliability and passenger comfort in the single-aisle market. The 737 MAX uh, will be 14% more fuel efficient than today's most efficient next-gen 737s and 20% better than the original next-generation 737s when they first entered service. The 737 MAX 8 will also have an 8% seat operating cost advantage over the Airbus A320neo. So good news, and uh, again for Boeing, Simon. That's yes. An, another great... Uh, I mean, we kind of knew that I think Monarch was going to uh, take Boeing up with, with the uh, 737 MAX. Yes, as, um, we were talking about this in a previous uh, podcast. This is uh, quite a nice uh, 737. Obviously, the top of the range uh, supersedes the 737-800, uh, uh, um, but this one uh, aircraft will um, help uh, to put them up there in amongst the top uh, sort of airlines uh, with these new aircraft. Yeah, let's hope that uh, Monarch will uh, go from strength to strength with this one, become, uh, well, become bigger than Ryanair, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> 
the next piece of news there, Mail Online. Uh, pilot of a private plane escorted off the jet and arrested for flying while drunk after landing at an airport. So this one is regarding our local airport, Norwich Airport, or Norwich International Airport. Uh, a pilot of a private plane was arrested over concerns about the amount of alcohol in his blood uh, just two days after a similar incident. Ian Jennings, 47, from Gosport, Hampshire, was arrested at Norwich Airport uh, after his uh, landing of a commercial chartered plane. He has been charged with performing an aviation function when the alcohol in his breath was over the prescribed limit, Norfolk Police have said. Jennings was also released on bail to appear at Norwich Magistrate Courts on November 13th, uh, where he will face the allegation under the Railways and Transport Safety Act of 2003. The pilot was privately hired by the owner of the plane, a Canadair CL601-3A Challenger. It's not currently known who owns the plane or where it had flown from at the time of the incident. Phil Gadd, a director at Norwich Airport, said that we're aware of the incident that took place and understand it's now being dealt with by the police through criminal proceedings. So flying while uh, under the influence, Alan, not a great thing, is it really? It's not very sensible, is it really? No, definitely not when you're flying a jet, a biz jet oh, like that. No, that's, uh, that's pretty disgraceful to be honest. Are you quite strict with yourself when you're, when you're uh, flying, Alan, that you, you, know, you tell yourself if you're going to fly you know, one day, you're not going to drink a few days before? Or? Yeah, well, especially now, but uh, it's always been the case. But, but now, I mean, if, if I go out the, the night before, I won't drink any more than a pint if I'm mm. flying the next day. Yeah. simple it does affect you it really does and you need your concentration yes 100% 110% so next story then mail online and uh, infographic has revealed the best and worst plane seats and the lengths that passengers will go to get them so from fe- uh, feigning illness uh, to flirting with ground staff British travellers have resorted to all types of tricks to secure a better seat on the plane Travel search engine Kayak have partnered with cabin crew member and aviation expert Dan Eyre to reveal how to get the most coveted seat on a plane. Mr Eyre, who also authors uh, Confessions of a Trolley Dolly, reveals that the best seat on an A320 is seat number 1A. The Airbus fleet, which generally have no first or business class seats, are used by British Airways, EasyJet, Monarch and Thomas Cook for short-haul journeys. The first row seat is the most coveted for extra legroom, optimum window view, unobstructed uh, also by the wing, and for being served food and beverages first. It's not all good, though, uh, with this seat, as well as 1F is known for being the coldest on the aircraft. In Boeing, 777s, which are used for long-haul flights by Emirates, Singapore Airlines, British Airways and Qatar, Airways uh, the rows 44 and 45. Uh, the back two rows are the least desirable. Uh, these seats have less legroom than other rows and they have limited reclining capabilities. They're also close to the toilets and galleys, making for a noisy and possibly smelly flight. The survey was produced uh, asking over a 1,000 British travellers uh, at the lengths that they will go in order to nab a good seat on a plane. A third of passengers admit to taking extreme measures, including overtaking people at the airport, flirting with ground staff and feigning illness or a disability. On flights where there's no pre-seat selection, 6% have lied about being in business class to get on board and sit down first, while others have used their height or even their children as an excuse for needing a better seat. What do you reckon, Simon? <laughs> That's a lot. You can relate to the height issue there. <laughs> yes, but, um, yes. Um, I didn't realise there were so many things people give lengths to just to get a certain seat. But 
um, it's worth a try because it does work sometimes. Yeah, it does. Have you ever tried yourself, Alan, to try and uh, try try to get an upgrade with an airline? No, I never have actually. You should try. Definitely really? try. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you um, when you go on your holidays next, um, when you're flying with a large airline, give it give it a try. Obviously, with Ryanair, wouldn't be much choice. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got any Ryanair news this week. Actually, it's quite quite disappointing. Uh, Flight Global then, next story. Uh, Boeing has rolled out the uh, Americans' first painted 787-8. So the first Boeing 787-8 bound for American Airlines has rolled out of the paint shop at the Airframers Everett Washington facility. The aircraft, which is registered November 800 Alpha November and MSN 40618, is scheduled for delivery to the Fort Worth, Texas-based carrier in November and expected to enter service on domestic routes in the first quarter of 2015. American has yet to disclose what routes the 787 will fly or where it will be based, and the carrier has kept uh, its customers' employees up to date on the assembly of its first Dreamliner by posting pictures of it at various stages uh, and positions on the Boeing's uh, final assembly uh, on social online media sites. American anticipates taking delivery of two 7878s this year, with another 11 aircraft due in 2015. The airline has firm orders for 16 787-8s and 26 787-9s. That's a lovely paint job, Simon. Yes. We've commented on this before. Yes, um, um, many a times. I do like that um, uh, colour of the uh, aircraft because the uh, tail obviously is uh, red, white and blue. And um, it's got the splash on the front there with American down the side. Now, that paint is sort of like a metallic-y silver hmm. um, over the um, fuselage, which I, I quite uh, like a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, really nice. Because American used to have the uh, the polished aluminium, yeah, they did, yes, uh, underside of the yes. aircraft. What, yeah. what do you prefer, Alan? If you if you, if you remember, uh, American used to have the polished aluminium underneath fuselage for their old paint job. Uh, me personally, I prefer the original design, the, the polish. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people do. Yes, I can't, I think that did look really good, and that does, and that does uh, save on weight and uh, money because <laughs> it's less uh, paint on the actual aircraft. More so. cleaning though, Simon, with yes. the polish and stuff like. that. So last story then, uh, we've only got a few stories this week, but uh, this is Flight Global again, and the uh, Thai Airbus A330 has got stuck in soft ground after a botched U-turn. This one actually happened yesterday, and uh, a Thai Airways A330-300 stopped operations at Thailand's Khon Kaen Airport after its nose wheel became stuck in soft ground when the crew was attempting to make a U-turn. Thai Airways confirms the aircraft left the tarmac while making the U-turn prior to departure for Bangkok at 8pm local time on Monday the 3rd of November. Cocaine's single runway has no taxiways. This requires departing aircraft to taxi to the runway end and execute a U-turn before taking off. None of the 248 passengers and 14 crew suffered any injuries and they exited the aircraft via air stairs. In a call with, uh, call with Flight Global, Thai was unable to confirm the aircraft's registration number, but images posted on social media indicate the aircraft involved in the incident uh, was registered Hotel Sierra Tango Echo Golf. The carrier was also unable to provide details about damage, if any, to the aircraft. Flight Global's Ascend Fleet's database shows that uh, the aircraft uh, in question was delivered in 1995 and is powered by the Pratt & Whitney PW4000 engines and is wholly owned by Thai, um, which is scheduled uh, to be reti- uh, retired from service in t- June 2015, this aircraft. So uh, 
bad move then by the pilot there, Simon. Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, We've seen this happen before, I mean, a few yes, times this year. Yeah. Aircraft uh, stuck in soft ground. Yes, um, but, um, just one of them things, and that won't be the last time it happens. No, no. Ever, ever seen anything like that happen at all in your uh, travels, Alan? Uh, not with airliners, no. No, <laughs> with with smaller aircraft, oh, yeah, but easier sure. to move a Cessna 150. Yeah, <laughs> So that's where we're going to bring the uh, news uh, part of the show to a close uh, for this week. Uh, But we're going to come back to you after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on. Aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Crash, crash, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. <laughs> So, Simon, you've got uh, a few bits of news then to give us this week. Uh, not much military stuff, but you've got a few other bits of information to bring us, haven't you? Uh, yeah, just uh, mainly about the Red Arrows. Um, they're being grounded. Um, they're now back flying. They were grounded a little uh, last few uh, weeks um, regarding a fuel mixture problem and a switch regarding all the Hawks um, which were grounded, um, not just the Red Arrows, um, but um, all the ones in the UK anyway. And I think of. Uh, well, they've released them to let them fly again, and I know that the, uh, the uh, Red Arrows are now practicing again at RAF Scampton, so um, hopefully um, it was a safety issue um, that's now been rectified, I think. So uh, it's good to see them uh, flying again, and uh, they're doing, uh, they have a few slots which they've uh, been d- doing at RAF Scampton for the last few days with one aircraft and then five aircraft. Uh, if you go onto their website, the RAF uh, Red Arrows, uh, dot uk.org, um you will actually uh, see uh, their listings for the uh, slot times and flight times that they are actually flying. Now, they've actually shortened it down because the uh, nights are pulling in. That was up until 16.45 now. It's now been uh, taken off half an hour down to 16.15. We're starting at 9 o'clock in the morning and doing 15, 20-minute slots. So uh, if you wish to see them practising for next year's 2015 season, um, it's well worth taking a ride up uh, to RAF Scampton uh, to get your air show fix during these cold winter months while the weather is still pretty good. Let's hope the weather keeps dry for them. Yes, yes, um, yes, because they are progressing uh, very well now. Um, Mm. uh, Obviously doing the one ship and the five and hopefully uh, be up to seven again uh, very soon and then up to the full nine uh, before they go uh, to uh, Cyprus. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Any more bits of news, Simon? Um, I've got something about the uh, Virgin Galactica, but we'll leave that for next uh, next uh, week's show. Yeah, um, we're still waiting for those to, the, the guys to come up with a full report on what uh, the cause of that crash was with Virgin Galactic. But obviously all our thoughts and well wishes are with the families uh, affected by, obviously because they did lose a pilot on that particular aircraft. Yes, yes. Um, so... Uh, We'll wait for the full detailed report on that. And uh, obviously, um, if you are looking uh, 
I'm finding it a, a bit um, quiet now, which is, this is a quiet time for the air show season and circuit. Um, do have a look on the Flightline UK, uh, www.airshows.org.uk, and you will start to see the uh, list is growing very quickly. And uh, as we uh, approach uh, 2015 uh, shortly, um, that is getting updated every uh, few weeks with aircraft and um, new uh, air shows that are displaying. There's this new RAF Waddington next year, 2015, because they are actually doing the runway, uh, resurfacing that, and there's possibly coming back in 2016. But there is talk of another air show, perhaps... Um, being done at either Scampton or Cosford. Um, but I will... Uh, Give further updates on that when I have more information. Going to have to put some dates in the diary for next year, Simon, yes. so I don't get booked up. Yes. we need to, obviously, Big and Hill will do next year. Yes, definitely Big and Hill. Yeah. Uh, Riyadh. Um, yeah, definitely Riyadh, yeah. Farnborough, uh, when that becomes... That's uh, the year after. Yeah, yeah. 2016. Um, a few more Duxford runs, I think, and uh, a few more uh, local air shows, because uh, we are in quite a nice area, being in East Anglia. Um, we do have <laughs> lots of... Uh, uh, aviation uh, aircraft in East Anglia is one of the sort of I'd say it's uh, possibly a hub really for uh, mm, airshow aviation. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, I think it is. It's a good place to fly. Yes, it I is. enjoy it anyway. Yes. Have you? Did you go to any air shows at all this year? Then, Alan, any of the air shows across the UK? Yeah, the only ones I've been to are Little Granston in Cambridgeshire, um, Old Buckingham, and Seething. Yes. Um, now, uh, can you uh, tell us a bit about Old Buckingham? I've never been there. Um, uh, so I'm thinking of going perhaps next year. Is it um, worth a uh, trip? It's certainly well worth a trip, yeah. Yep. Uh, it's always a great show. Yes, really no, I've, um, sometimes the Sally Beer's up there and the Mustang, and uh, obviously, uh, do you ever fly in there at all? I actually flew in there last Saturday. Oh, just, that's... Just from the first visit in the uh, in the new aircraft, so... Yes. Uh, uh, that good. sounds good. Um, I'll, so it's well worth a go there on an air show day, and uh, I'll have to see... Um, uh, when the air show dates for Old Buckingham are because they have uh, one or two throughout the year, don't they? Uh, it's one main show uh, per year. Um, they do have uh, other flying events, though. That's yeah, not so much air shows. Yes, okay, that's uh, worth looking into. Have you been to Old Buckingham? Flown over it uh, on a trial lesson when I started flying many years ago. Uh, when I started learning to fly at Norwich, and my instructor took me over there. Yes, flew over the cross at the top of the airfield and back to Norwich. It was, yeah, it was really good. Oh, that sounds uh, interesting. I know. I've got another lesson next week, so um, we've got. Actually, I'm up to uh, twelve, nearly twelve hours now in my logbook. That's pretty of, good uh, of less of flying time. So yeah, we're getting there slowly. Yes, um, but trying to learn things when you're thirty-eight years old, young, <coughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of kind of hard work, but. Um, so, moving on then, we're going to introduce again our guest. So, uh, we'd like to welcome then onto the show, Alan Bales. Um, you're from the Pitts Aerobatic Challenge. That's right, yes. So, Alan, you, uh, you fly um, a display aircraft, an aerobatic aircraft, the Pitts. And um, we've seen the pictures on your website and stuff, which um, we'll give a link to as well on the show um, via our website as well. So, Alan, welcome onto the show. Thank That's you. lovely to have you here, our first guest in the kitchen studio. Yes, definitely. Um, so, Alan, where did everything start for you? How did uh, your passion for aviation start then for you? Uh, well, for me, I remember watching a, a film as a child um, where, I, I can't remember the name of it, but it was about this young child who was sent away to his uncle's farm in the United States. And he was walking around one day and walked into a barn 
And there was a Boeing steerman in a very poor state. Uh, cut a long story short, he persuaded his uncle um, to rebuild it and get it flying. And that was the inspiration for me. And that was probably when I was about 10 years old. Wow. That's a lovely story. That is really nice. That's a great story. <laughs> so uh, your license, your actual private pilot's license, did you get that at quite a young age then? No. Um, it, it's a, a strange story. I, I've always wanted to fly. Uh, I don't like heights. And I, <laughs> you are kidding me. You are kidding me on no, this. No, I, I don't like heights. So um, how do you get on uh, when you're looking out of the aircraft? Do you just keep looking straight ahead? It's, it's a strange thing. If I'm on the edge of a building, uh, I'm on all fours and maybe peek over the edge. But um, I, I can't <laughs> explain. But once you're actually strapped into an aircraft, it's a totally different feeling. And I, yes. I, I love looking straight down. And yes. Inverted and it's great. Yeah, so... Um, you don't have uh, your. You don't keep the aircraft fairly low for your um, flying because of the height um, sc- no. scariness. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So oh, the, that's good. So your uh, your pilot's license. Then you obviously um, you you passed first time. I'd imagine <laughs> you probably did. Uh, yes, the um, obviously there's exams involved, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, the GFT. Um, yeah, first time. Excellent. I've got those exams to look forward to. Oh, the worst thing, well, actually, just, just, just take it easy and just try and be relaxed and you'll be fine. Oh, great. I'll, uh, I'll remember that. I'll, I'll, I'll try and be relaxed. I normally, normally am. I only when I'm flying, though. I like the practical side. I must admit, I do like, prefer the practical <laughs> side rather than the classroom sort of side of things, but no. I remember the, um, the, the forced landing in the, the GFT, you know, the mock uh, engine failure. Yeah. Um, I kind of maybe not so much panicked but I overreacted to it and instead of doing the usual turns towards the, the field you had lined up I think I'd probably done more than twice the amount that was really necessary and I think the poor guy was feeling a bit ill beside him <laughs> but uh, he, he said you know although you'd done more manoeuvres than necessary you would have done a, a perfect uh, landing so yeah that worked out anyway So where did you uh, learn to fly where was your base when you well, were learning? I started off at Ellery Airfield in Beckles, and yeah. I started with microlites. And um, I then, for various reasons, ended up going to Southern Meadows in Cambridgeshire. So I used to commute every day and um, finish my license off there. And to start with, uh, with microlites, you could do a restricted license, so you had to stay within a certain distance of the airfield you take off from. And I'd done that for about, I think, a year before I went back and... Um, done the the cross-country and relevant things to uh, upgrade the license so uh, wow yeah so the uh the challenge the pits aerobatic challenge that you've started now then so tell the listeners exactly what that's all about you know how, how okay. uh, things have come along with that right well with regards to how i converted from microlites this this was uh, another story in, in itself i ended up with a a, a four-stroke um bmw engine conversion in an exit um and i, I I had lots of fun with it, but it wasn't really what I wanted. And so I put an advert up um, to, to, you know, to basically uh, to sell it and maybe part X. And uh, a chap from Ireland called me and he said, would you be interested in, in this aircraft I've got as an exchange? He said, it's a Wolf Borden fighter. And I thought, never heard of it, never heard of it. And I said, can you send me some pictures? Um, well, he did, and I, I instantly fell in love. It was a, uh, a classic old-looking biplane, single-seat, um, all in camouflage, and it was basically loosely presented on the World War One Spad fighter. Um, so we basically done the deal. I hired a truck and uh, de-rigged my Xair. I made the trip um, by ferry, obviously to, to Ireland, 
and uh, drove down to Newcastle airfield and uh, yeah, we done the deal and I, the only thing that was a bit of a surprise um, I don't know this is maybe a, a typical Irish attitude but he said maybe two to three days tinkering and we'll be able to fly back <laughs> that, um, sounds, that, that sounds that uh, sounds about right maybe if you had a big catapult um, you might have been able to get it airworthy <laughs> after three days but um, yeah I turned up the, the propeller wasn't even on the aircraft it was <laughs> broken as well um, there was lots of pieces missing off the airframe um, which couldn't be accounted for uh, but yeah, I still fell in love with it, and um, so we took it apart, and I put on the truck and uh, came back. Um, wow! A, a friend of mine who was an inspector and used to run his own business um, knew about this, and he gave me a hand, uh, you know, with the guards' advice for, for the ferry crossings and getting and collecting everything and de-rigging. So when I got back, uh, I opened the back the, uh, the the truck and he, he nearly had a coronary that was in such a state uh, he, he couldn't believe I actually bought it and came back with it and thought that was beyond any hope but this was in January and I, I put in so many hours, it was untrue but uh, had parts specially made for it and my first flight uh, was in June that year wow. and I'd never flown Group A, I had to do a Group A conversion um, then I had to do a tail dragging conversion to fly it. How easy was that, the tail dragging? It, uh, um, well, I had had uh, uh, three axis micro lights, the mini maxes, which are tail draggers, although they're, they're very easy as tail draggers to fly. Mm. But that, that did help. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a case that, that day, the, the first time, um, I actually done the test flying in it. Um, so yeah, I'd not only uh, done the conversion to a Group A and uh, tail drag conversion, but I actually done the test flying in the aircraft as well. Um, so yeah, that was a big achievement, um, and yeah, I, I think in the actual four years, although I owned it for longer than that, the four years I was flying, I think I'd done about 350 hours in it. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and the longest trip I'd done was from uh, Norfolk uh, across the, the country to um, West Wales, to Haverford West for a photo shoot there. Blimey, yeah, we've seen the pictures on your uh, on the website, and that and it is a stunning aircraft that you've got there. Definitely, it's great colours, isn't it? It's yeah, a lovely colour scheme. If uh, any of our listeners haven't seen it, go on to the uh, website or on our Facebook, and you will actually see the uh, pictures of the uh, air pits uh, special, and it's got uh, yellow, uh, blue, and uh, red uh, markings. It's a very uh, standout colour for the uh, displays and sky. It being in the sky. Yes, Alan. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's a little bit of confusion here, because obviously the Wolf Boredom Fighter isn't the pits I've got now. Um, I sold the Boredom Fighter in February, and uh, I had a deal lined up for this pit special, and um, it was very kindly presented to me by Richard Grace, whose mum, uh, Caroline Grace, owns the two-seater Spitfire. Yes. I went down to view it uh, in December, and we'd done a deal, and... Um, once I once weather cleared and I sold the Wolf Borden fighter, I managed to deliver it down to Popham in February. I uh, went ahead and had the pits delivered by uh, Richard Grace and Dave Pulitzer uh, from the Trig Aerobatic team. And uh, another project started. It was um, uh, I bought the airframe and the engine separately, so uh, there was lots of things missing off the engine. There was a basic engine, so I had to buy new magnetos, a harness, etc., and uh, inverted system. And I'm uh, guessing this is not an, uh, a cheap um, project, really, Alan. No. To do. Do, you, do you source a lot of the parts uh, locally, or is it uh, or a kind of online? It's, um, 
it's just a, there's, there's a great website uh, called A Force, which is aircraft for sale, and you can basically place ads wanted or or sell you know whatever you want, and it goes from engine parts through to uh, auto gyros, helicopters, light aircraft, and other things. Um, so I just put adverts on there what I was requiring, and uh, within I think I had to wait about two and a half months for the. Um, slick magnetos to, to come available and they ended up managing two brand new ones um, so yeah that I've managed that was the big uh, uh, stalling point really the magnetos because um, I mean new you would pay probably around about the two two thousand two hundred pounds for wow and uh, I'm not going to say what I got them for but they have a brand new but surplus to requirement yes so, um, but yeah that completed the project is is the second hand market for, for spares and stuff for, for this particular aircraft is it is, are there a lot of spares? Can you sort of well, get a lot of spares for the aircraft? N- not really. I mean, it is quite a niche aircraft, I think. Yeah, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the only second hand uh, part I actually uh, used was uh, a flying wire, um, which uh, I got from a guy called well, they call him Mister Pitts in the UK. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was the only second hand part. Uh, everything else I bought that I paid second hand prices for ended up being new. Uh, oh, I was just wow. very le- lucky, uh, right place at the right time. Um, but yeah, like I said, I completed the project. So. You've uh, said that uh, you've had uh, parts sort of specially made. That must um, they must be uh, quite more a lot more expensive than the normal parts. Yeah, the, the only parts I had specially made were for the original, uh, the Boredom Fighter, the one I had for this. But there's a guy called Morris Hammond. Ah, uh, oh, Morris, who's been brilliant, uh, absolutely brilliant. He's a he's a real jewel, you know. And uh, basically, he he supports me big time with uh, with the Boredom Fighter, and he. He basically made stuff at cost, and uh, I also remember he's been great, absolutely great. Yeah, we've seen Morris flying in the skies over here, haven't we, Simon? Yes, in, in the, the uh, in the Mustang, Mustang P fifty one Mustang. Yeah. Yes, you can you can hear him in. Well, see him obviously, but you can definitely hear him before he arrives. So, uh, you've your plans then for the pits challenge, and you're obviously you're looking to display. Hopefully, fingers crossed, in two thousand fifteen. Um, yes, uh, obviously I haven't got a display authorization yet. There's a long way to go, um, but I'm feeling so confident. I've, I've only been. The, the story is uh, once I bought the uh, the project from Richard Grace and Dave Pullitz, and they, um, they, Richard uh, turned around and said, "When sure you've got it assembled and ready to fly it, um, come back." He said, "And we've got a two seater pits here. You can have some time in there until you feel comfortable." Um, to get in the single seat and fly it so that's exactly what I've done about uh, two weeks before I thought it was going to be ready um, I went to, to see Richard at uh, Bentwaters um, he took me up in the pits within about three or four minutes uh, he was obviously telling me what to do with regards to learning manoeuvres and I was feeling so ill that quickly I thought am I ever going to be able to do this and after about 45 minutes, we landed because I, I just suddenly lost orientation. It was like uh, instant vertigo. I was feeling so bad. Um, so we landed, and I think he thought I was going to have a cup of tea and a bite to eat and go back, and there's no way I could. I was feeling that bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I rang him up two days later. I was still feeling a bit rough from it, believe it or not, but uh, I went back up again. Um, I proceeded to do the takeoff, and... Uh, done some more aerobatic training um, and then came back and lined up for, for final and he just took over the last minute so yeah I've done approximately an hour and a half maybe an hour and 40 minutes uh, two seat at a time before I got in my single seat now once you um, take over the controls a lot of that uh, sickness does go away doesn't it 
Yes, I'm terrible. I, I'm not any good as a passenger in a car. And like I say, fun <laughs> fair rides I can't do, and I'm sure I still can't. But the, the thing is, once you're in control, you know with the input you're about to do, you know yes. what's going to happen. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, so now I know that um, from being uh, on the lifeboat on the RNLI. Um, if we was bobbing about uh, out at sea, um, just anchoring or mooring, and um, was feeling sick, the guy said, oh, just take control um, of the engine. And uh, as soon as you took control, the sickness near enough vanished immediately. So it must be a similar sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, first, the, the first flight I, I had was on the 23rd of um, September. And the, the idea was to take off from Priory Farm near Tibnam. Um, not to land back there, but to head over to Little Granston in Cambridgeshire because the runway is twice the length, it's four times wider at least. Um, so you've got a bit more uh, room for error there with regards to landing and it's a lot safer. Um, so I took off and instantly I left the ground. I felt really, really at home in the, in the aircraft. And I remember I, I got to 2,000 feet, um, rolled it for an inverted check and uh, obviously checked the oil pressure, everything was good. Um, I proceeded within the first probably five or six minutes. I felt that confident with it. Um, I'd done a loop, um, I'd done a half cube, and then a stall turn. And uh, then I proceeded, to, this was all high level by the way, but uh, then I proceeded off to uh, Little Granston in Cambridgeshire to, to do some circuit bashing there. Yeah, so you're getting quite a routine um, or a sort of a, a plan of your display uh, made up now. Um, yeah, bear in mind it's been I've been flying uh, for well, over the last five weeks um, with regards to my work shift pattern. It's about sixteen days, and I've uh, just a fraction under thirty six hours in an hour in about sixteen mm. days. Yeah. And I've, I've, the only thing I haven't done aerobatic manoeuvre now is the uh, the vertical flicks and uh, tail slide. Um, I've been doing the avalanche, single and double avalanche, um, stall turns, but as I'm going to stall turn, I'm rolling it on the way up, half roll on the way up, and uh, one and a half rolls on the way down, just to, to wow. lighten up, and um, knife edges, uh, four-point rolls, um, also the rolls for you, you. This was a great one from Mark Jeffries. He, um, he said, what you really need to do is uh, maybe roll 90 degrees to the left, and then from that 90 degrees to the right, and then 180 degrees to the left, and then the same to the right. Yes. And then uh, you know, just carry on like that, and it's uh, it's the best thing ever done. Just yep. getting the balance feel when you're rolling both ways. So you're getting a lot of input from uh, other display pilots on how to put together your own uh, personal uh, sort of uh, display. That that's well, yeah. The, another guy who's been brilliant is David Jenkins, um, a member of the uh, Wildcat aerobatic team. Um, he's been a real gem with uh, with sorting things out um, and advice. Uh, and that was actually David who suggested trying the avalanche. Yeah. Um, he did say when you're at the uh, just at the top of the loop about the last um, 30, 40 degrees for the top of the loop. He said you'll eventually get a feel for it. Um, just go full elevator and full left rudder, and uh, that'll sort itself out. Yes. So, and that's the daunting thing when you're not used to doing this with an aircraft. Suddenly being told to try this and uh, yeah. you know, what's going to happen. And yes. uh, the first time it happened, I thought I couldn't keep up with it. It was like just yeah. being in a washing machine. Yeah. So uh, I noticed you've got all your um, sort of uh, words and expressions for each of these, uh, like turns and everything, and avalanche, and yeah. which is uh, pretty uh, nice. And uh, did you uh, learn this from other pilots or this? Uh, everything I've learned has been in the last five weeks. Wow, and that's pretty that's good. That's what I mean. I've done just under 36 hours, and I would say probably about at least half of that has been arrows. And it, it took, it was between, I mean, each day I was doing the arrows. Um, I was flying every day for about the first seven days. 
and I was feeling ill and people keep saying you need to eat lots and especially Mars bars but uh, I don't really like them but I was forcing them down <laughs> and so I think I've put on about half a stone in five weeks so I'm now, now on a diet anyway um, but yeah it's, it, it's just a, a massive learning curve um, and obviously everything you try is high level to start with and, yes mm. and one of the things I get the most satisfaction out of is a really slow roll so maybe doing a slow roll over about 25-30 seconds and it's just the, the feeling and the balance through the role is absolutely beautiful. And one of the other things I've been doing, it, which I, I felt at home with almost straight away, which I thought was going to be a difficult manoeuvre, was a rolling circle. And yes. I absolutely love them. Absolutely do. It, it's, it's beautiful. How, um, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now just literally starting to learn to fly, as the listeners will know. How hard is it to transition to learning aerobatic flying because obviously it's a completely different um, ball game altogether is it you know just purely well studying or it's it's you know i I guess i should have read a book um i was kindly bought a book on aerobatics but i haven't actually opened it yet that's that's (laughs) that's bad so everything i've learned so far i'm probably going to be told by the experts is wrong um but uh, i mean the thing that led me into the aerobatics, I ended up going out with a, a female, a lad, airshow pilot, um, uh, for nearly a year. Um, she was flying a pit special, and I thought she was really naturally gifted, and I absolutely loved supporting at the shows. And um, I was nearly ready to actually give up flying to support her for 2015. Um, obviously, that things didn't work out but uh, I've got I've got to thank her because without her I wouldn't have got the pits uh, which was her idea she said you know your style of flying she said uh, the pits would really suit you so yeah and I, I haven't looked back because I was really enjoying the support side of the air shows and um, I just thought that's the thing I'm going to miss the most when, when we split up you know, I just uh, just love that uh, the, the whole thing and the other thing I'd like to add that when uh, God, uh, God willing, I get to the air shows for 2015. Um, I'll only be taking on one show per day, and and that's because I, I firmly believe that it gives something back to the crowd, not only display, but um, wherever it's possible, I'll be landing at a nearby airfield if it's say a seaside, uh, sea, a seaside air show. Yes, and getting transport and doing meet and greet the crowd. So yes, I'll be, I'll be spending the the rest of the afternoon. Um, wandering through the crowd and speaking to people. That's a good idea, isn't it, Simon? Yes, that, no, uh, I'm going to uh, add to this because um, you've uh, touched on a good point here. Um, this used to be uh, when I taught um, uh, a few years back uh, about the uh, Alton Broad Regatta. Um, a lot of the uh, ex-Red Arrow pilots, uh, when they used to fly the Fallen Nat and also the Rothmans aerobatic team with the pits and everything, they used to land at Seething and then they were brought back by helicopter to Alton Broad and they landed in the Everett's Park and then they do a meet and greet, um, which I think is a good... Because people just, um, as much as they want to see the display, they also want to say, ask questions to the pilots mm. and everything and uh, interview them or just ask a load of questions um, just to see um, what it's like and uh, just to get your autograph as well. Well, I think that's where I've got an advantage because I love going to air shows and... Uh, from a spectator's point of view, I know what I used to love to see. Um, it's all very well being an aircraft and you're flicking and throwing firing through the sky, but uh, for me, I used to uh, I enjoy that. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I enjoy also the the crisp, precise aerobatics. Yes. Gentle. Yes. Um, so, uh, and that's why I went when uh, I was supporting uh, my previous partner um, through the air shows. I was coming up with ideas. What would, uh, one of them was. Uh, 
uh, when you go for a, a 45 degree flick um, in the climb, instead of just carrying on with the climb afterwards, pull out of it into a knife edge. Yes. And uh, the first time, uh, although we'd split up by this point, the first time I saw her do that was um, uh, a seething air show this year. And I yes. thought, that was my idea. Good girl. Yes. So, so uh, I've got so many more ideas. And uh, Yes. And, so uh, you've uh, really, although you've uh, sort of separated, um, you've took, um, you've shared uh, sort of um, parts of your displays and uh, took sort of ideas off each other, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I've learnt a lot um, from, from, I think it was 11 months we were together, but yeah, I'd learnt a lot and uh, I studied what she was doing and uh, obviously chipped in with advice and what I thought the uh, the audience would like to see. But the thing I find about uh, a lot of air show pilots, they disagree with what they think the audience wants to see. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. where I think I'm coming from this perspective. I know what I really like to see. Yes. Um, so I think I'm going to I'm gonna have a little edge there. Yes. And I've got a couple of great ideas for displays if I'm... Uh, lucky enough to be there this year yes That's i'm sure you will year, but, mm. um, now can i ask you um because i ask uh, uh, we ask a lot of pilots for yourself what do you prefer do you prefer seaside display areas over the sea or do you prefer over land inland i definitely prefer seaside yes i think uh, i think mm. if you ask any pilot they um they do like that um sort of uh, seaside resort display there's just something there's a little bit extra about it um, I don't know what it is, but um, just being over the water just feels re- uh, really good. Yeah. It makes for good pictures as well, definitely when the displays yeah. are on. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm looking forward to is uh, if I get some air show uh, bookings over over the seaside this uh, next year. Um, it, it's, if you get the weather right and you just got the sun out and you can see the smoke reflecting. Yes. The water, that's mm. just, oh yeah. Just awesome. And you can get some good um, reflections of the aircraft as well as the uh, smoke um, over the sea. Uh, yeah. So uh, I know. Uh, what yeah, she's saying is really uh, good. So, so for pilots, uh, obviously we, we, we do have quite a lot of pilots who have possibly just passed their test. Well, I know there's a few that have just passed their licence and stuff in the UK. Um, would you recommend uh, aerobatic flying as, uh, as a, a sort of next uh, thing would, for the uh, progressive thing to do for them? I do, think it's, uh, it, people are different. Um, a lot of people like the, the idea of touring. Um, for me, it's I always loved the idea of doing aerobatics, but there's always the fun fair rides put me off. I was terrible when my son was young, going on fun fair rides with him. I, I hated it. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> and I'll, I'll probably still be the same. But uh, you know, now uh, each flight I go up, um, no matter what I do aerobatic wise, um, I, I, I don't feel sick. Um, well, apart from once a couple of weeks ago, but that was uh, that was I think it was ten spins in a row and. Um, uh, nobody told me to spin the opposite way when you finish, so I pulled out, and uh, you know the, the fluid's still moving in your ears, yes. and you're not sure what's <laughs> happening yes. for, yes. for a short while. But uh, yeah. yeah, do you have a special suit um, that you use for uh, your flying? No, um, with this pit, so I'm limited to minus three G and plus six. Um, I mean, generally, I'm pulling between minus two and a half to three, um, and uh, I reset the G meter each time. That's usually reading between four and four and a half. G, yes, which you don't need. To be honest, the novice, you don't need to pull more than that. Yeah. So there's something special you were saying before we started the show about your your pits that is different to the other pits that are uh, on the display circuit, and that is it's uh, open cockpit. Wow. Wow. Is it, uh, is it not chilly up there? When you're Believe flying? it or not, no. It's, um, I mean, uh, I was coming back from uh, a flying event in uh, Ruffham um, near Bury St Edmunds uh, yes. about two weeks ago. And uh, at one point I was at uh, just over 7,000 feet between two cloud layers. 
and uh, just rolling inverted and I had the, the GoPro running to get a rear view oh, oh wow and that was just uh, yeah. just amazing experience but no I wasn't a bit cold and I uh, didn't even have a jacket on just a parachute and uh, a flying suit yes wow wouldn't you like to be there so yes why, why, why couldn't you have got a two seater version <laughs> well, uh, you never know maybe in the future <laughs> well uh, I hope that uh, maybe in the next couple of years to get a, a two seater Christian Eagle as well yes oh, that'd wow. be nice don't, don't, don't forget uh, me and Simon when you oh, get that. Right. Just, just give, us, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the uh, GoPro camera, um, I know a lot of uh, pilots use this. Um, it is a good camera and one of the best, I would imagine, for this sort of um, photography. Um. Well, I'd, I'd, actually, I probably told us like Porky there about it being a GoPro. This is, uh, which was a, a cheaper equivalent. It's uh, Chile Technologies. Um, yes. But to be quite honest, the results I've got from this, and I've, I've had this about two years from... Uh, rigged up on the uh, the other biplane I had and on this and I've not had a problem the, the only thing I do miss I'd love to try a GoPro with the remote um, yes mm. because the, the only thing I've found quite a few times when this is facing uh, the pilot's view which is never that great when you especially negative G um so I try and have the visor down anyway. Yes. So you can't see exactly yes. how now, painful things are. Do you are. use the camera? Is it always mounted near the cockpit, or do you have you mounted it on any of your wings at all uh, um, to the, try? I haven't. It's always been on the front of the screen, low down on the screen, and uh, the, the first probably three weeks everything was facing forward. And yes. I thought, I'll just try facing it the other way. Yeah. It, it, I think it works out good, especially when you're in a vertical climb. Yes. And, uh, just pull the stall turn. Yeah. And, and I suppose it can uh, help you uh, in. Uh, sort of uh, making your manoeuvres uh, a lot more controllable and uh, better every time uh, you, you use the uh, camera. You do. I, I find that obviously it takes quite a while to upload them, and then I end up watching it as well. So yes. you end up doing mm. it two or three times before you finish uploading it onto Facebook um, or on YouTube. There's I've got quite a few videos on YouTube now, but yes. uh, but yeah, it does help, and especially sometimes uh, and starting off with the, uh, the vertical climb into the stall turn. I, I thought, well, I'm not quite vertical there. I'm, I may be slightly over, yeah. slightly under. But um, yeah, that sort of thing is great. Yeah, so that you can actually um, correct your sort of uh, small mistakes, perhaps uh, on the next uh, sort of flight. Yeah. I don't expect yeah. he makes mistakes, Simon. <laughs> I'm oh, sure no, he's no, perfect. No. So um, can I ask? When you're on your displays and uh, travelling about, do you have a support team and a backup team? Well, obviously, I'm not, I'm not displaying yet. No. Um, but, uh, no, n- um, next year I've, I've had people who offer to support, so maybe if I'm going distance, you need to... There's always a chance you need to smoke oil, well, smoke oil for sure, but um, maybe oil or uh, basic tools. If, you, if you've got a slight mag drop, you might need to take a plug out and things. But uh, Yes. But, I mean, generally, the, the aviation world, people are there to help out. Yes. So, um, you know, everything I do at the moment is just like a display rehearsal at a high level. Um, yes. So the, the next move for me is um, within the next month to submit all my details to the Civil Aviation Authority. Yes. I've already spoke to, uh, to Matt there. And um, once they receive all my details, um, with, I wanted to wait till I'm up to 50 hours on this type. So probably about another two or three weeks. Um, he'll then... Um, look at uh, display authorization examiners in my region. Yes. He'll then forward them details of my experience and the aircraft type, etc. And uh, then he waits for the examiners to get back to him to see, see who will, is willing to take me under their wing to um, basically show me how to do everything properly. Yes. Mm. Um, so there's lots to do. Um, I, I could imagine probably from January through till March is going to be lots of flying with an examiner watching. Yes. Wow. So the future then, uh, Alan, for yourself, obviously you want to get your display 
uh, certification and stuff for 2015. How do you see things uh, progressing on from 2015 onwards? Are you going to try and sort of get to some of the, you know, the if you can get into the, some of the larger air shows in the UK? Or um, well. <laughs> Yes, the the thing is that I know they've, they've tried something like React before, tried like pitch displays, but mm. because the runway's so long, they, they just can't cover enough ground uh, quick enough. So they tried it one year, and I haven't done it again since. Uh, the same with the crop tutors, you know, that sort of thing, mm. are not really uh, ideal for a large air show. But um, I think personally, um, I would I'd rather stick to the small air shows. Um, I'm quite happy to travel anywhere, and uh, I'd like the idea of going across to Ireland and maybe even up to Scotland and doing so. Channel Islands, Jersey uh, and Guernsey? It's possible. Yeah. Isle of Wight, yeah. that'd be a good name. Yes, because yeah. uh, um, uh, they do have uh, a few air shows, um, Jersey and Guernsey, and they're both the same time of the year. Um, so perhaps look into those. Yeah. yeah, it's just a case of getting my name out there and obviously yes. doing a crisp display and uh, a safe display more than anything. Yes. Um, but as long as it's entertaining. Yes. It's going to be, I've got an ace up my sleeve with regards to the, the display, which I'm, I'm not going to announce. It'll be on the first display if I'm lucky enough to get there. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to see you on the air show circuit uh, next year somewhere. Definitely. Uh, so to, that. to all our yeah. listeners, make sure you keep an eye on our pages. Our Facebook and uh, Twitter uh, accounts, because you um, must probably uh, be hearing more about this in the coming year. Yeah, before we finish, uh, before we end the show, we have uh, we've got a competition to announce as well, haven't we, Simon? Yes, we have uh, for our year anniversary program. Uh, we're going to ask a couple of questions, and um, Alan, feel free to enter. <laughs> but we're going to I've got a couple of questions to uh, to ask, and the prizes we've got uh, a couple of. Um, well, we've got a first, second, and third prize. We'll call it. We'll yeah, do a traditional okay. quiz. Um, but uh, the f- the first and second prize, we're going to give away uh, a couple of t-shirts, some plain talking UK t-shirts, and uh, we've also got for another prize, we've got some calendars as well, haven't we? Simon? Yes, we have some plain talking uh, UK calendars. Yep. So uh, we have two questions to ask, and uh, if you uh, want to send us the answers uh, either via our email, via our website. Um, or you can also post them if you like. Um, I'll actually send them privately through Facebook as well. Uh, you can uh, send them via there. Um, so the first question which uh, Simon uh, posted for you um, on on the paper here for me in front of me. So the first question is, what date uh, was the first official display of the Red Arrows? So what date was the first official display of the Red Arrows? And uh, question number two uh, was, uh, when was the first flight of the Lockheed L-1011 TriStar? So that's, when was the first flight of the Lockheed L-1011 TriStar? Put your posts uh, to us via email, tell us your answers, and we'll put them all into uh, Simon's hat, and uh, we'll draw those out uh, Probably on our Christmas show, I think, yes, Simon. Yes. That'd be a good one for that. Yep. And we'll also post these questions as well uh, on our Facebook page as well, so you can see the questions on there as well. We'll put the competition details on our Facebook page. So, Alan, uh, where can our listeners find out everything they can about uh, what you do and uh, when you're doing it and stuff? Okay, well, at this point, I'm on the uh, the Pitts Aerobatic Challenge, is uh, both on uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, there's the um, web address as well the, the, the www.thepitsaerobaticchallenge.com um, 
It's only been launched a couple of weeks and uh, it's still ongoing, but uh, within the next few days uh, there'll be a lot more videos and photos and information. And obviously uh, uploading to that will be um, uh, air show dates, uh, if I'm lucky enough to gain my DA. Um, I'm sure you will. I'm yes. Sure you will, Alan. Yes. And uh, you, uh, your age, you haven't mentioned your age. Yeah, well, I'm no spring chicken. Uh, in fact, uh, well, I'm 47. Um, but, uh, yeah, in 14 years of flying, I'm on about 960 hours now, I think. 960? Wow. That's, that's a lot, a uh, lot of um, hours. Wow. Your logbook must be huge. Yeah, I'm <laughs> coming to the end of the second logbook now. So. Wow. Good, uh, goodness me. I've only just finished the first page of my one. <laughs> yes. So if there are any uh, sponsors or um, people that are willing to uh, sponsor Alan, yeah. um, do contact him uh, via his website or via our we- website. Um, yeah, we can pass the details on to Alan as well. Uh, yes, because um, keeping an aircraft, as uh, a lot of you know, is uh, an expensive uh, task. Mm. And... Uh, who uh, do need uh, sort of uh, sponsors and uh, support uh, to keep the aircraft flying and uh, for spares and repairs and everything. So, yes, if you uh, do uh, are interested, um, do contact us or uh, Alan via either his website or ours. Yeah, definitely. Um, send us some emails and we shall pass them on to Alan. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, that we do see you on the uh, air show circuit uh, next year, Alan. Don't forget uh, to go if you know if you can uh, find out either via us or via Alan's website, the uh, pitsaerobaticchallenge.com. dot uh, com. You can obviously find out where Alan's going to be next year, hopefully, and you know get get, get behind you, get all the support behind you, Alan. That would be great. Uh, obviously, once uh, I obtain a DA, um, I'd be doing weddings, and obviously, you know, weddings, fates, everything really, um, and anywhere in the country. And the, the first year, I'd like to emphasise that I'm not going to be making profit. It'll just be uh, cost only. So just mm. to promote myself, really. Excellent. And, uh, well, we wish you all the best uh, for the future, Alan. Uh, thank you. Definitely, I, you know, we, we we strongly believe that you'll definitely get uh, your DA definitely for next year. And uh, yeah, we we do really really wish you all the best for 2015. Appreciate um, that, Carl. Thank you. We'd uh, like to also thank you a lot as well for coming on yeah, to the show yeah first birthday yeah thanks very much yeah. uh, for coming no, it's, uh, been a it's, pleasure. it's been uh, lovely having uh, a special guest on our first birthday and uh, we wish you all the best for the uh, 2015 season and uh, for the future beyond that well yeah, thanks again but uh, hopefully if everything goes well next year I'll come back again yes yes, 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 yes you're, we'll wel- you're welcome by all means <laughs> <laughs> to come back yeah you can tell us all about your experiences then from uh, all the shows and stuff that I'm sure you'll get uh, invites to but uh, that is. Uh, have you got any more bits of uh, no, news for us? Uh, no, no? Uh, we'll leave that for the time okay. being, and uh, we'll, we'll 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 be back uh, next uh, week. Yep, with episode thirty-eight, and uh, don't forget uh, to check out our Facebook page for the competition details. And uh, also, uh, you can see us on or find us on Twitter as well. You can uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, Plain Talking UK. Um, and also, don't forget. Um, if you want to find out more about uh, Alan, who's been our guest today on the show, um, you can find his uh, website at uh, all the W's, the Pits Aerobatic Um Any other bits of snippets of information for us? Um, just the bit more information on my pits. It's, uh, it was built in 1971. It was imported um, by Nigel Lamb in 1977. And um, it's 
probably the last eight years it hasn't flown because it would, uh, the, the old engine had oil pressure problems so yeah the, the poor old girl had been sitting around in a hangar for eight years and uh, everyone strongly believed that um, it would have probably been broken for parts if I hadn't bought it and taken it on so I think uh, I feel I've saved it and um, just hope everyone enjoys the show it's uh, it's a Pitts S1C with a 160 like Herming modified um, which basically means that it used to be uh, a carburetor uh, you know, uh, engine, but it's now mm. being modified for injection system. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, if, I, if I get there and uh, people come along and I uh, hope they uh, really enjoy the show I'll be putting on. I just actually thought, have you, have you named the aircraft, Alan? Have you got a name for the aircraft? Oh, or? there's been a few suggestions, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I haven't at the moment. Well, perhaps you should you should do a do some sort of competition for naming the That's aircraft or something. Yeah, yeah that would be quite good. And the guy you um, named, nineteen seventy seven, uh, Mister Lamb, he is actually one of the. If that is the same uh, guy, he actually uh, flies on the Red Bull Air Races. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow! Blimey! I tell you what, we've we've learned some stuff on this show today, and we Simon. We have definitely. So uh, once again, then uh, Alan, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I'm sure the listeners are going to love uh, love listening to everything and following you as well, obviously via. But you can, they can find you on Facebook as well, can't they? The, uh, yes, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, obviously the webpage as yeah. well. And, uh, so we'll put links to them. Uh, we've put I'll put a link to the website on our uh, Facebook page. Yes, we we'll have, put a yep. link to that as well with the show notes for the episode, so you can find out more um, about uh, Alan and his fantastic aircraft. Yes. So we're going to bring the uh, show to a close. Don't forget, uh, look out for us next week. We'll be back again for another show. Uh, getting closer to Christmas, Simon. Yes, we are. Have you uh, got my Christmas present yet? What? Do you want me to buy you a cockpit of a TriStar or something? No, I'll tell you what, Simon. <laughs> You'd be best friends forever if you brought me that for definite. <laughs> So uh, that's it then for this week's show. Thanks for listening and uh, don't forget to tune in next week for another show. So once again, Alan, thanks for coming in. Pleasure. And uh, thanks Simon, thanks yeah, for coming it's been a it's, it's been a great show and uh, as, as always, uh, thanks very much, as uh, Carlos said, for coming. Most enjoyable. Um, lovely to hear about your story about um, your passion for your uh, aircraft and uh, hope to see you uh, in 2015 in the sky. I hope to see us on the show sometime. Yes, definitely. Excellent. Thanks, then, and take care, everyone, and goodbye. Bye. Bye now.